everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Check. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. I'm Tony Andraki here with Andy Martinez, our Marquee Sports Network digital reporter and social media coordinator. Andy, how you doing? Glad to have baseball back here. Yeah, man. Thanks, Tony, for having me. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for baseball. It feels like uh, summer's really back now with, with the return of summer camp, for sure. Yeah, and it, it was the return of baseball to Wrigley Field. It was the first time all year that we had seen these guys at the friendly confines. Uh, I don't think anybody would have expected Kyle Hendricks to make to first toe the rubber at Wrigley on July 4th. Same with you, Darvish, as those two faced off in a scrimmage game on Saturday on the 4th of July. But yeah, it's been a good first few days at at Cubs summer camp. And uh, one of the most exciting parts of this season as well just happened Monday night with the release of Major League Baseball's schedule. Cubs have a 60-game schedule, and all games will be broadcast on Marquee Sports Network unless otherwise selected as a national exclusive telecast. Please note that all dates, times, and broadcasts are subject to change. But Andy, first off, uh, when the schedule came out, what was one of the things that stood out to you most about the Cubs slate? Um, I think there was two. So and then I think you're going to pick one of these two. So I'm going to leave the other one for you. But the biggest one for me was looking at the AL Central. Uh, we know that this season, the, the Cubs and uh, every team in baseball was going to say regional. Uh, they're going to play their division and then the, the opposite league's division. The Cubs played the Twins only three times. The, de- the defending AL Central champions won 100 games last year. Um, you know, uh, a prime to, to win the AL Central again this year, be at least competitive in the AL Central. Uh, and they only get them three times, and it's at Wrigley Field. Um, I think that's a good sign because uh, you face, you know, some of the weaker teams in the, in the AL Central, the Tigers, the Royals, uh, a little bit more. And I looked at the, who, who the Twins were playing in the NL Central, they play Milwaukee six times, three and three, St. Louis four times, two and two, and then Cincinnati only three times as well, but it's at the end of the season in Minnesota. So I'm really curious to see. I think um, I, I think it'll be key to see how teams, the NL Central teams, the Reds, the Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Cubs all play against the, the Royals and the Tigers, but it's equally important to see how they do against the Twins. When you only have three games and they're at home, that's a little plus and a little advantage uh, against the the other competitors in the NL Central, in my opinion. What about you, Tony? Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I, I think that in a weird way, like as we sit here in, in the first week of July, I think the schedule was about as good as you could think of or, or want as a, as a Cubs fan because you sit here and you look at it and, okay, yeah, it's only 60 games, but everything you mentioned in playing the Twins in the AL Central, but you also get 14 of 20 games against the Brewers and Cardinals at home at Wrigley Field. Now, we don't know exactly how much of a home field advantage teams will have this season, but like David Ross said, I mean, there, there's something to be said about guys being able to sleep in their home, uh, their home in their own bed with their family, not have to worry about traveling uh, with all the COVID risks and everything else. They don't have to worry about taking those risks because they can go to their home ballpark and then just go to their home. And, and that has to be a, a different level of comfort. But I think also it, it's, they know that they have to get out to a hot start. Every team does when you're only talking about like a third of the normal the normal season length. And yeah, they do have Milwaukee right off the bat and then Cincinnati. But they get then after right after that, they get Pittsburgh for three and then Kansas City for four. So seven of the first few games of the first, uh, what is it, 14 games here, 
and three of the first five series teams that are not expected to contend this year. And that, I mean, could very well be cellar dwellers in the NL and AL Central. So I think that's a very good sign for the Cubs, and they have a real opportunity here to, to get off to, to the right, a hot start. Yeah, and I think another thing that's really important will be um, 17 games to open the season uh, with no days off. Uh, you know, I, obviously they, they play they play the Royals and and, and some weaker teams uh, theoretically on paper in the first first 17 games, but that's still 17 games in a row uh, with a three month layoff uh, because of the shutdown. It's going to be interesting to see how they react, and and I know we're going to get to this a little bit later, but you know, what's the pitching rotation going to look like? What's the the bullpen going to be used like? Um, with 17 days like that and everyone's kind of building, ramping up in, in a three-week spring summer camp, excuse me, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what kind of goes down and, and how it plays out in those 17 games. Uh, regardless of the opponent, 17 games open the season is not going to be – is not what anyone would have wanted, um, but it's the reality of the situation. Yeah, it is. Like you said, Andy, and multiple teams have 20 games stretches in a row without an off day. And so the Cubs obviously are fortunate to only have 17 as their longest. But there's probably something to be said, too, about getting those that that stretch out of the way right away, because then they have four off days in August and they have two off days in the same week, actually, in September, kind of bookending a, a series with the Indians. So they they get a lot of their off days coming up really in the last few weeks of the season. So maybe that'll help keep them fresh down the stretch. Um, But Andy, as you look at the schedule here and and as it came out, we knew the opponents already. We knew how many games the Cubs would be playing against them, but is there one particular series that you circled and thought like, this is going to be an awesome series to watch this season? I'm going to take a cop out and pick two. Um, okay. And the first one I'm going to go with, because I, I think it's kind of everyone's circling it. Everyone is in Chicago will be circling it. The White Sox series to end the year. Um, oh, yeah. Both teams could be playing for, for playoff positioning, for a playoff spot um, to, to wrap up against your cross-town rival is going to be exciting. But um, I looked the weekend before that, the Minnesota Twins, the, the one time they're going to play the Twins, the AL Central contenders uh, at home at Wrigley, they'll, they'll have a day off. They'll have played uh, Cleveland um, two days before that. It's gonna, that that I think has the potential to be just as important as the the White Sox series at the end of the season. We saw last year the Cubs, uh, and I'm blanking um, off the top of my head, but that last the penultimate weekend of the season, you know, uh, against St. I think it was St. Louis. Uh, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, Tony, but against St. Louis, you know, that's kind of when things you're when their season when they were eliminated from the playoffs. That could be just as crucial. Um, you know, who knows where they could be? You know, they they could either cement their position as the NL Central champions. It could. Um, you know, put pushed them away from the NL Central and more into a wild card spot, or could cement the wild card spot. It, it could do a lot of things, and and that that three game set against Minnesota at home is is going to be very very crucial. Yeah, I agree. That is huge, and you're right. I mean that that last season, last series of the season against the Southsiders. That's that's going to be something that should hopefully be awesome in Chicago. I mean, it, there's a real potential that both of these. Chicago teams are going to be vying for the division and it could come down to that final weekend. Yeah. For me, I'm looking at September 8th through the 10th. I'm circling that in my calendar right now. It's the Cubs host the Reds at Wrigley Field for that stretch. And I, I just think that's going to be huge. And in my mind right now, as we sit here a couple of weeks away from opening day still, I think the NL Central will come down to either the Cubs or the Reds. I think they're the two best teams on paper. They have the right fit and format. To, to really kind of strive through and 
and be able to handle this 60 game sprint. And that's the, the latest that those two teams play. So I do think that, that that three game stretch could be very, very crucial to the NL Central and who ultimately wins it and the Cubs get the Reds at home. So I think that's going to be a really, really cool series. Yeah, and, and it's it's fascinating how that lines up, right? You got the, the before that Red Series, you got the Cardinals, and then after that Red Series, you go to Milwaukee, and then you host Cleveland, and then Minnesota, and then before you know it, you're on the last week of the mm-hmm. season. Um, and, and that's the beauty of the sixty game schedule is um, if you blink too fast, uh, you might you might have missed half the season, and you might be you know uh, ten games out of the ga- out of the out of the out of the playoff spot. So it's 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 going to be fun. It's going to be wild. Um, and I, I, that September is just, you could circle that whole month because of, because of the shortened season and how it can play out. And who knows, maybe Pittsburgh, who you, who they play at the beginning of the season and before the Sox series and, and after the twin series, who knows, Pittsburgh could get off to a hot start and they might be contenders uh, by that time. So you really can't rule anyone out in the, in, in the 60 game season. And, and in September with the pirates, um, that's not a, that's not a gimme that you might've had in, in a normal 162 game season. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I remember a conversation I had with Doug Glanville, one of our analysts recently, where he was saying that you can't count out teams like that because you no longer have to have a, a good first half and get off to a good start and then keep that momentum going in the second half. Now you just have to have a good half first half and yeah. seeing a team like the pirates be able to do that over a shorter span. So when you're talking about just over two months of action, it certainly is possible that that a lot of what we're talking about, the Royals could get off to a good start. The Pirates could like those do have talent. And for a, for a shortened stretch like this, who knows, you know, they, they get out to a good start they get confident and, and so on. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it, it's going to be a really cool sprint of a season and it's fun to, it, it just feels a lot more real now that we have this schedule and, and it feels real because we actually saw Wrigley Field. The Cubs playing there is the first time I stepped foot in Wrigley Field since the end of the year. Uh, it was Theo Epstein's like season-ending press conference last year, but the first time I saw real baseball action there since that Cardinals series that you mentioned, Andy. And you helped me with coverage all weekend, and and you know was on the the Zoom calls with David Ross, Tommy Hadovy, and so on. But between you know all the action and all everything that guys talked about was. Did you have any sort of main takeaway from Cubs summer camp so far and what guys are saying about it? Yeah, I, I think what was what was very uh, amazing kind of to see was the hitters be as as well as they have in those two scrimmages, scrimmage games. Um, you talk about timing and, and, and rhythm when you're hitting. And, you know, obviously they've been they've still been working out in batting cages against pitching machines and, and off tees. But nothing replicates a 95 mile an hour fastball or, or an 88 mile an hour changeup or, or a slider that moves or a curveball that dips. Um, nothing matches up to that. So to see them be on top of Kyle Hendricks, Yu Darvish, Tyler Chatwood, and Alec Mills and get some hits off of them, that's very positive for the Cubs hitters. Um, it kind of shows that they they were doing their workouts well. They were getting they were doing everything right because to to come in after a three month layoff of not facing consistent regular major league. Uh, pitching uh, of the caliber that the Cubs have, that's a very reassuring sign. And it's something that I think David Ross should be really excited for and, and the Cubs should be excited for. Um, it was really awesome to see, too, the, the the players' reaction getting back to Wrigley Field. And it was – I mean, we wrote about it and we, we talked about it and they all mentioned they felt like little kids. They felt like 12-year-olds. Um, and in a sense, like, I think we all did, right? Like, when baseball came back, we were like, oh, man, like – it felt like that 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 first summer of, of 
of youth baseball or, or coming back after a long winter and then getting out on the field for the first time right after everything, you know, thaws out and, and it gets warm. It was, it was so awesome to see them and see that excitement. And, and Tyler Chatwood even mentioned, you know, he had a bunch of adrenaline running up to an empty stadium to throw a bullpen session. Uh, that's just so exciting and so much fun to hear. Uh, and, and it kind of brings that joy that uh, everyone has when they first play baseball. Yeah, and Ross even said himself that he was taking a picture or a quick video of Wrigley Field after, I think it was after the first day, and it was kind of a lighter day, so after practice and workout ended, and Ross went out there, and he was the only one on the field, and he said he had just gotten a workout in himself, and he just wanted to remember the moment, the fact that he was at Wrigley Field, that it was a holiday weekend, it was a gorgeous weekend there, and and it doesn't seem lost on any of these guys. he mentioned that some of these other guys have too. I mean, there's definitely just a level of energy. Ross mentioned a conversation he had with Cubs GM Jed Hoyer, where Hoyer was saying like, how great is this? Like it's the 4th of July and you know, yes, the stadium's empty and, but like, this is awesome. We're just working out at Wrigley field and, and able to, to get back on the field after a three and a half month layoff that everybody, like you mentioned, Andy, everybody missed baseball fans, players, front office members, coaching staff, and it, it was interesting, too. Like the first thing you mentioned was my takeaway as well, that the fact that the hitters are so much more advanced now than I thought they would be. I think it's conventional thinking to to believe that after this long of a layoff, that pitchers would be ahead of hitters. That's usually is most spring yeah. trainings in Arizona and Florida. And and that wasn't the case here. And and yeah, there is this level of, you know, um, anxiety or adrenaline and of being in the batter's box with a catcher behind you with a guy on the mounds, looking out and seeing the Wrigley Field scoreboard, whether people are in the stands or not, there is a different level of that. And these guys have just been hitting in cages or maybe at the most taking a couple of live BP sessions. But yeah, they haven't been seeing a ton of, of breaking balls or 88 mile an hour changeups or whatever, like you mentioned. So it was really interesting to see that. And their timing, I was so impressed with that because even some of the outs, like David Bodie turned on a 96, 97 mile an hour you Darvish fastball and Caratini was going right up the middle. A lot of guys were going up the middle, even if they were making outs, they were hitting hard liners up the middle or or hard ground balls up the middle, showing that their timing is right where it should be. And they're still, they still have two and a half weeks to to ramp up. So it's been really encouraging to see. And actually let's hear Ross talk about how he feels the offense is right now. You know, I mean, these guys are turning around 97, uh, like it's nothing. I mean, it really is some some um, really good at bats. Um, guys are tracking the ball well. Uh, it's all about timing. I mean, uh, guys are are um, still get some guys are still trying to find their timing. But for the most part, you know, the crack of the bat, you see, you saw the good, you know, the the good swings. Um, they've been consistent. Uh, I'm pleased all the way around. So, yeah, Ross feels very encouraged by where the Cubs offense is. He said earlier in the weekend, too, that he feels that the offense and the lineup is going to be a strength of this team. Moving over to the pitching staff, it's not quite as good news, but only because of the fact that we found out right before workout started, the Cubs are going to be without Jose Quintana for at least a couple of weeks. He cut his thumb in a dishwashing incident a couple weeks ago in his home and at his home in Florida. So he had to undergo microscopic surgery. The Cubs don't know exactly how long he will be out, but it will be at least two weeks. Then he'll pick up his throwing program and go from there. 
in all likelihood, it looks like he will not be able to start the season in the Cubs rotation. So Tommy Hadovy spoke about how the Cubs are going to be working around the injury and how they're approaching the starting rotation as a whole this summer. We really have to stretch as many guys out as we can. And that doesn't um, exclude some relievers as well. I mean, we're going to have, ideally, you know, we'll have three or four of our relievers that can give us three innings when we break as well. Um, so, you know, there can be games that you see, you know, a, a Kyle or a Darvish goes out or John and those guys go out and give you five or six innings. And there may be a game where we go three relievers all going three innings. I mean, it really, at this point, um, we have to get guys um, as stretched out as we possibly can. Um, again, testament to the work that they put in. Um, a lot of guys are coming in here, you know, have already thrown two and three inning sim games, you know, even some of the bullpen guys. So it puts us in a good position there. Um, but again, we have to take this day to day, get him off the mound, get him on a good routine. And, and hopefully by the end of this, we'll have enough fresh arms and enough uh, healthy, healthy bodies to get started. There was how to be talking about how the Cubs plan on working their rotation. And it, and it makes a lot of sense, of course, that they're, they want to get as many guys stretched out as possible but Andy, what were your thoughts on that as the Cubs pitching coach discussed what they might do with the rotation? I think what was most interesting for me was seeing um, him talking about those those bullpen arms that are getting stretched um, in, in anticipation of the shortened season where you, you kind of don't know what, ex- what to expect. And he, he mentions, you know, there's there's some times where, you know, Hendricks going five innings, you Darvish going five innings. And then another day where a reliever goes three innings, another goes three innings, and then a, a last one goes three innings to finish off the game. I think that was very interesting to hear that. Um, we've seen the opener in recent years. We've seen we've seen bullpenning of games in, in, in playoff games. Milwaukee has done it to a, a large effectiveness uh, the last couple of years. That's really interesting for me to see. And it's but it's even more interesting seeing the guys who, you know, are in the quote unquote talent of the rotation. Uh, Alec Mills, Tyler Chatwood. Those guys have come out of the pen in the last few years. They've started games. They they can fill in. They, you can pl- plug and play wherever you need them, right? So I think they're going to be crucial, and I think that's going to be so much uh, of a benefit for the Cubs to have those guys that you know can give you a start. Or you know, if 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 in the seventeen game stretch, let's just say you need to rest some of the starters and you need to to go with a bullpen to start it, um, and then you can turn to Chatwood or, or Mills or someone like that who can give you three, four, or five innings out of the pen. That's huge. I think their mindset, um, Alec Mills had a, a really good quote where he said, you know, my mindset's always been, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but my mindset's always been uh, doing whatever the team needs and, and ready, being ready for whatever. Um, I wrote about that on MarqueeSportsNetwork.com. The two of them are, you know, working for to, to be starters, and but they're also prepared to do whatever whatever is necessary. And they're they're in a position where they're, they're throwing program that they, they were in their arms at a strength at the strength that they want to be that they can give them four or five innings, um, whether it's out of the pen or starting, and it's that's going to be huge for for the Cubs in, in the shortened season. Where, you know, I, I think you know conventional wisdom says you know five starters every fifth day you go out and throw in in the sixty game season. Season conventional wisdom is thrown out the window, and you you know you you just gotta if if Chatwood's got to go three innings one day and then six days later go six. I mean, that's, what, that's what's going to have to happen this season. And, and I think both guys are, are mentally prepared and, and physically ready, or at least getting there, uh, to be ready for that. Yeah, it is. it was really interesting to hear talking about the strategy, Harvey and then Ross talked a little bit about it as well, that 
potential that some days, like you mentioned, they could have three pitchers going three innings each. And so something of maybe a four man rotation, I guess, with, uh, with then a bullpen day mixed in there. And it's going to be really, really interesting to see how teams in general uh, handle this around the league. But yeah, with the Cubs, I mean, when you look at it and everybody is healthy, which as we mentioned, is not the case right now. But you look at you have four veteran starters, proven starters who have done this before. And then Chatwood, who does have a history of of starting and had a resurgent 2019 season. And then a guy like Mills, who Mills has has really performed well with the Cubs when given opportunities in the long relief role, as you mentioned, and, and in the starting role as well. So they have a little bit of depth here. Uh, they can figure it out. And that, you know, guys like Colin Ray, Jarrell Cotton, uh, Edward Elzele as well, working behind all those guys. So, yeah. The, to have multiple relievers be able to go multiple innings, especially when you're talking about a 30 man roster to begin the season, the Cubs can certainly take advantage of it. And it seems like they will. I do think the rotation will come down to the big three still. It's, it's going to be about Darvish Hendricks and, and Lester and Lester. We haven't seen him throw yet in a simulated game or a live bullpen, but he's been working on the side. And uh, as he, he mentioned, and uh, he has mentioned during the, shut down and how to be talked about Lester kind of wants to save bullets. He's an older guy who obviously has a lot of innings and mileage under his arm, but he wants to save bullets and make sure that he is ready to go once the season starts. And he knows what he needs to do to get himself ready, to get himself in shape for the season. Hendricks looked good. He, he looked in, in prime form. He said he's been working up to three, four innings as well. And during the shutdown and stayed throwing Darvish to me was the guy that I thought was really interesting over the weekend. He was already dialing it up into the upper 90s, as the Cubs said, on the radar gun. And then he debuted his new pitch in game action, the Supreme, which is basically a two-seam splitty. So it kind of breaks towards right-handed hitters, and then it dives a little bit as well. So it's a really interesting pitch, and and it uh, it adds, I guess, about the 11th pitch in Darvish's arsenal now. And Hadovy was saying even more than that, it's – he has more than that because he has the ability to add extra depth and length and different break yeah. to, to sliders and curveballs. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Darvish this season. Yeah, I'm excited to watch Darvish too. And, and you, you touched on a, a quote that had to be said about him. Um, he has he, he, he had to be mentioned, you know, most pitchers, and he included himself in this situation, most pitchers, if they can throw a slider and they can break a certain way, that's about all it does. And you can manipulate and move it in different parts of the strike zone. But what what makes you Darvish so special is he can throw um, a curveball and add more more of a dive or, or more depth or, or or more speed or whatever depending on the hitter and depending on their strength or weaknesses and that's just incredible to think about because um, the you can go in preparing and you you might talk to another guy like oh yeah you know his curveball's doing this or his slider's doing that but when you know he can change it and manipulate it to do a different completely different thing to a different hitter. You, you, your game plan goes out the window. You're just kind of like, all right, if he throws a curveball, I got to sit back a little bit. But uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't add too much depth because then I'm swinging at I'm swinging at the air. Um, and it's just I'm just excited to see that supreme pitch. Um, I mean, you saw it in person, uh, but I'm I'm excited to see it and and kind of see it. The, the the idea that it breaks towards hitters to right-handed hitters with a little dive is is very. It's going to be interesting to see how they they approach that because that's. That's something that you you don't often see from from the from a right hander like that. 
Yeah, and in the Cubs teammates uh, that they it was just it was interesting too that they were actually facing you know Cubs teammates and it's a little awkward whenever you're facing your own guys in the scrimmage game as Darvish and, and Hendricks did and uh, Chris Bryant was the first hitter of the scrimmage game he was the leadoff hitter for Darvish's team so he went up against Hendricks on the fourth of July Bryant still penciled into I guess we could write it in pen now actually that into the leadoff spot as Ross mentioned. And Brian also spoke on Monday and he was really outspoken and honest up front about a lot of different things. He admitted that he took full advantage of, of time during the shutdown with his young son, Kyler, and he joked as no longer a little chunkster. Uh, he also explained why there's no chance that he would opt out of the season, saying that he's going to do all he can to be safe at the field. He said he's even wearing his mask at various times, like moving from station to station he said he's trying to keep his distance from teammates as much as possible, as weird as that feels. But he's trying to set a good example on the field for all of the Cubs because he doesn't want to get the virus. He doesn't want to bring it home to his wife or or his young son. And he wants this season to go off as planned. And, and he's all in for this. And he also addressed the trade rumors and, and discussion of a possible extension with the Cubs that surrounded him this winter. I would like it not to be a concern. I would like to think that I, I wouldn't be shipped out in the middle of pandemic um you know but i i think i've i think i've made it i'm trying to make it clear in that i really love it here and i love playing here and i love everything about the city and and the people and the people in this clubhouse and you know all around you know i've, ne I've never not wanted to be here regardless of whatever has happened in the past or whatever people have perceived about you know my situation or based on just because I have a superpower agent or this and that, like I'm, I'm just Chris. I, I like playing here. I like playing baseball, I like running hard to first. I like giving my best at bat out there. And I, I just hope people could appre can appreciate that. It's a pretty classic Chris Bryant, wholesome approach to all the trade rumors. I, I love all that. The I'm just Chris. I could see that being a quote that goes viral here and, Cubs fandom over the next few months between that mindset and the new perspective brought on by having a baby and being a father, understanding that there's a lot more to life than just baseball. Brian talked about feeling liberated this season and like, he feels like uh, there's not as much pressure maybe as he normally would put on himself on a baseball field. Do you think Andy, that that means that Brian could be primed for a huge 2020 season here? Yeah, I really think it, uh, it, he is primed for a big 2020. And one of the things that you, know, you mentioned, he said he, you know, he felt liberated and more relaxed. He looked it in the press conference, and you know, obviously we're we're not in the same room with him. We're, we're on a Zoom call, and we can we can only see, you know, what what is on that camera. But in that camera, he looked, you know, relaxed, at ease, and given the situation around everything in the world. Um, for him to be as relaxed playing baseball and in a press conference like that, it's got to be reassuring for Cubs fans, right? Like, you know, after the, the tough year that the Cubs had last year where they, they didn't make the playoffs, uh, a big year from Chris Bryant's going to be awesome. And, and he has all the makings to do it. You know, he he's he can hit in that leadoff spot. I think he's the perfect modern-day leadoff hitter. He can hit for average. He can hit for pop. Um, he can get on base. He can drag out at-bats if needed. Uh, and, you know, he's just the, the perfect guy to kick out that offense because if you need a – uh, 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 the guy guy to get on base, or if you at least want to drag out an at bat and make sure that the pitcher is using his full arsenal early on, uh, Chris Bryant's the perfect guy to do that. You know, he if he drags out a 12 pitch at bat and 
and you know gets an out that's that can be just you can argue that's just as successful as getting on base um because you know he's he's wasted all these bullets and he's he's uh he's he's shown all these these different looks so he's got the potential to be really big and you know people might say oh he's not going to be able to he's not going to be driving in as many runs well, it doesn't matter if he's not driving in runs because if he if he hits a home run to lead off the game, or if he gets on base and then Anthony Rizzo hits a two run homer, I mean that's just as good, right? Like uh, it, it's all about it's all about getting on base and making sure you're creating as many opportunities. And, and if he can get on base uh, at, a, at a you know three fifty clip or or four hundred clip, something like that, ridiculous like that, like it's gonna be it's gonna be crucial for the Cubs and it's gonna be a, a good start for the Cubs. Yeah, I think so too because he's talked in the past last year, like you mentioned, Andy, you know, it was, it was a good season. He still had 31 homers and nine over 900 OPS and a war near five, but he still had some moments where he was slumping. He obviously got through the uh, kind of lingering knee issue for the last couple of months of the season. And there were moments where he was talking about how he was beating up on it himself too much. And Joe Madden, mentioned that he would constantly talk to Bryant about, you know, showing compassion for himself and and not being so hard on himself when he is going through a slump or when he has a poor at bat or whatever. And and I think with this new perspective of being a father, of having the game taken from Bryant and the Cubs for the last three months, I, I think that can help him be more compassionate with himself on the field, not give himself such a hard time and really I really, I don't know, just not be too hard on himself to where he's able to bounce back because that's what this game is. It's a game of failure. And everybody's talked about that before. The best guys fail seven out of 10 times. So you have to be able to be okay with failure, to be able to accept it and move on and not let it get you down. And and if that mental mindset can change a perspective or an approach for Brian, we've seen what he can do when he's at his best. We've seen it rookie of the year, MVP, fantastic season so yeah I agree I, I think that this mindset can be the the little thing that helps push Brian over the edge and I'm with you as well Andy I think moving into the leadoff spot will help him but I also I think that Brian in the leadoff spot will, will help the Cubs lineup in general because I, I like I just like the idea of making sure that Bryant Rizzo and Javi your three best hitters are hitting in the first inning every single day right and to get the most at-bats in the game and in, in, in the shortened season where Instead of having you know 500 plate appearances, uh, if you have you know whatever that that percentage down is, forgive me for my horrible math skills, but um, you want to give them as well as many plate appearances as they can get, right? So you know if you can get them an extra three, four at bats a week, uh, that's three or four at bats that uh, you know he could he could go yard and, and at least one of them that's an extra run. Uh, you want to give that you want to have as many opportunities as possible. And, um, and, and I think this is, this is perfect for, for the Cubs to have Bryant Rizzo and Baez three, three potent, uh, hitters right off the top to lead it off. And especially, you know, nowadays with the, with the three batter minimum, you can't bring in a lefty specialist to bring in, to get out Rizzo. Cause then you got to face Javi or you can't bring in a, a righty specialist. Cause then you got to face Rizzo. It, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great lineup construction for the situation. And I think it's, it's got potential to do a lot of damage for, for the Cubs this season. All right. Thanks, Andy. And you can learn more about Bryant and his approach to the season by watching Marquee Sports Network. We're heading to marqueesportsnetwork.com where Andy, myself, and others will have stories and videos leading up to the season. That'll do it for this edition of the Cubs weekly podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Apple Music or Spotify. Make sure you do it today. 